Good morning, Chair City Church. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for getting here. No doubt it has been a, uh, a winter, huh? You know, a season of uh, so many people taken ill. And, uh, but here we are. We are in our last week of our What If series. And sometimes uh, a piece of information comes your way. And you get it to happening, a piece of information. And it's really significant. And it's true, it's happening, it's real, it's a fact, but because of its significance, it tends to take a while for it to sink in, right? You know know it's truth, but it it just takes some time for it to settle into your being. I'm Italian, and I'm from Brooklyn, and as you know, I root for the New York Yankees, it's just what I do. And, and I'm rooting for the Yankees and growing up in Brooklyn, the last thing I would do is, is root for the Red Sox, right? And, and, and you really, actually growing up in Brooklyn, at least now I root for the Bruins, the Boston Bruins. Uh, growing up in Brooklyn, you didn't root for any Boston teams. Boston was a bad word. You could say a lot of like bad words, but you couldn't say Boston. <laughs> really. You, <laughs> I had never been to Boston. I know anything. All I knew about Boston was it sucked. <laughs> <You know? laughs> really? <laughs> so, well, you say tired tired, huh? So, you know, now, and if you go into the late 90s, of course, at, at that time, I'm, I'm in like, you know, you know, the Yankees, what, what, they won three World Series in a row. Going into the early 2000s, we went four out of five. Uh, and there is Boston, and they're living under the curse of the Bambino, right? <laughs> and for those of you who don't know what that is, God would not let the Red Sox win the World Series for 80-something years because they traded the greatest player at that time in baseball, Babe Ruth, from the Red Sox. They traded him to the Yankees, huh? For a couple of Broadway tickets, I think, or something like that. But then came the year, and the Yankees are up three games to nothing against the Red Sox, as things are, as they always were. And it's the American League Championship Series. Whoever wins this goes to the World Series. They only need one more game to go to the World Series again, win another World Series. And then the Red Sox come back and win the next game, and the next game, and the next game. And then they do it. They, they beat the Yankees four games to three, and they go to the World Series. And they, and they went on to win the World Series, right? All right. And, and they do something that they hadn't done in 80-something years. Now, truth be told, I mean, and the Yankees had not just any team. I mean, they, they had like a, one of their great teams ever. They had Mariano Rivera as their relief pitcher, their, their stopper. I mean, the greatest relief pitcher in the history of baseball. Even Boston fans agree on that one. They had Derek Jeter. I mean, Derek Jeter is going into the Hall of Fame, maybe one of the top five shortstop of all time. And yet we didn't win, and, and, and we were up three games to nothing. The truth is, the reality of that took a while to settle in for us Yankee fans. It really did. Yeah, yeah. If it's, I don't know if it actually has settled in to some of us. Right? For me, I think it was like two or three years, but I'm just thinking, how did that happen? You know? And for the Red Sox, it was kind of like earth-shattering, right? It was like there were a whole new world. It was like the Wizard of Oz. You're, you're in black and white, and then you see color, right? Like, this, this is it? This is what it's like to win a World Series? Like, wow! And for you, you your title town, you used to be known as the city of jokers, right? Nobody laughed, but anyway. 
But really, I mean, that, that was Boston. Now you're in a city of champions, you're a title town, and everything changed, you know? It, it's sunken in, like, wow, like, we're title town. We're, we're champions because one World Series, then another World Series, then another World Series, then another World Series, then a Super Bowl, another Super Bowl. Like, hey, we're Boston. We're champions. <laughs> 20 years ago, like, yeah, we're Boston. We're Boston. <laughs> Look, sometimes when something happens, the truth comes our way, it takes a while for it to settle in, for, for it to sink in. For many of us, you know, the overarching story of our lives can be one that maybe it's, uh, really, if we step back, it's not what we would really want it to be, even though it's our story. It's peculiar, right? Maybe it's a little more less or sad than we would hope it to be. Some of our story is, you know, I'm a victim. Some of it is I'm a hero, so I have to be better than everybody else, right? Everybody has to like me. Some of our, our life story is uh, I'll never be good enough or I'll never have enough. I have to accumulate. I, I have to make sure that I have this much in this account and I have to make sure that I have that much in case of that. I, I'm just not going to have enough. And, you know, it doesn't matter, right? And whatever that distorted narrative is, it's, it's, it's our story. It's you have yours, I have mine. And we spend our entire life taking in all that's happening and then finding a way to place it in that story. I know there's a bit of a leaf here, but that's, that's exactly it. So you have a story. It's who you perceive that you are and what your life is. And then when something happens here, you take that and then you find a way to place it into that story. You know, it's like writing a page or a note and then sticking it into that, that book creating another chapter. And it doesn't matter if what you're, if it's accurate or not. <laughs> it doesn't. It, you're still going to find a way to filter it, to put it into your story, right? To, to make it, to find a way to interpret it in a way, to interpret it into your story. It doesn't matter if they really said that about you or not. It doesn't matter if that's actually going to be that serious or that problematic, but this is how how you're going to interpret it, and then you're going to fit it into your story, you know? So you're growing up, and you're heard, look, you know, you're not going to amount to much, or whether those words exactly or insinuations, you're really not going to amount to much. You're not going to be anything. And so then you, you set out in life, and you start to actually accomplish some things that are pretty admirable. You know, maybe you, you win a race, and people are like, wow, wow, you won, you came in first place. And you're like, yeah, but, but I didn't break the record. And so-and-so came in first place three times, and this is my first time. It's, it's just never enough, right? It's never good enough. You're always going to be not good enough because that's just the story you know. You're going to filter everything and anything into that story. And this is real. It affects how you think, how you interpret that, what's going on. It affects you physically, Right? Because you need things to fit your story. Turn up the anxiety, turn up the depression, do what I can, whatever I can, although maybe unbeknownst to me, this is just normal, just to make it fit that story, huh? And although I'm unhappy, although I'm not well physically, it's my story and I'm sticking to it. My hope today 
is that Romans chapter 8, verses 37 through 39, the magnificent truth, the wondrous truth in these verses, it sinks in today. It settles in, and it becomes your story. Right? I believe that when someone comes to faith in Jesus Christ, God wants, God desires the gospel of Jesus Christ to become their story, right? Their narrative of life. Huh? So God wants you to substitute with, I'm not good enough, or no one appreciates me, or I'm the best thing since sliced bread. I need to believe that, right? <laughs> with the gospel of Jesus Christ. With Christ's finished work on the cross. Then, what's the result? You spend now your entire life, day to day, all your experiences finding a way to fit the circumstances and the happenings into your story, into that story. Could you imagine what your life would look like if that's what was transcribing? Could you, could you even begin to fathom? Could you let it sink in and settle in, this truth, that if this was your story, the gospel of Jesus Christ, your life story, and you were living out life, no matter what was going on, filtering it, finding a way, because of how you believed and how you perceived life and what your perception was, to fit it into this story, the difference it would make in your life. So... Romans chapter 8, verse 37 through 39 says, No, the apostle Paul writes, In all these things we are more than conquerors through him, Jesus, who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow. We are more than conquerors. Let that sink in. Settle in. And when Paul says in verse 37, he says, in all of these things. What, are, what, what is the all of these things that he's talking about? Well, prior to 37 and verse 35, Paul mentions distress, danger, persecution, famine. And yet he says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. Pause. I am more than a conqueror through him, Jesus who loves me. Regardless, in all these things that are taking place in life, in distress, you could have a hundred bucks in a bank and you could be in distress. You could have a million dollars in a bank and be under distress. Hmm? You could have a lot and be doing really well in all areas of your life and be in distress. And you could have me struggling. I've done both. There could be persecution in different ways, unhappiness, difficulty, physical ailments, and all these things. I am more 
than a conqueror through him, Jesus, who loves me. I'm going to let that sink in right now. What's happening in your world right now? What is the big problem that you carried with you in here today? What's been dogging you? What are the things, either your present circumstances or that you might perceive that are out on the horizon, huh, that are messing you up? Causing you to freak out, bringing that worry, that anxiousness, and unstableness to your home, distracting you, causing distraction from that which is present and which is good. Literally inhibit you from absorbing any of the goodness of God that's around you. Where somehow the, the smallest negative thing becomes so monstrous and the biggest of positive is so seemingly dissolved. And yet, and yet really, if our story is right, it's flipped, right? If our story is, is the gospel, if our story is that we are more than conquerors, then the smallest of good is, is expanded, right? It's magnified because God is an exponential God who does great things with the smallest of things. We've seen it. Actually, it's just the history of the world. And because of who God is, the most greatest, the most biggest problems and issues are minimized, diminished, maybe even dismissed and destroyed because of who God is and what Jesus has done, yes? Because if, if this is our story, that we are more than conquerors, if it settles into us, if we really believe that, that this is who we are, In all the struggles, you are more than a conqueror. That's not even just speaking of that. You can overcome this. You can get over it. It means you're victorious. It means you crush it. And if this isn't happening to you, if this is not what you experience as someone who believes in Jesus or has been kicking around this Christian thing, maybe it's because you're thinking being more than a conqueror, is more about you than it is him, right? <laughs> the great reason why we are more than conquerors, you and I, is not because of my great plans. It's not because of your great wisdom, right? And, and that should be comforting. We are more than conquerors because of God's love for us through Jesus Christ, right? Jesus is the victor. Jesus was victorious, and we live in that victory. Every day you get up, you, you profess faith in Jesus, you are, living, you are living in that victory. That's your story. Live in it. Let it sink in. Let it settle in. Really. I know. Perhaps it hasn't settled in. Perhaps you, you really haven't embraced this. And it's why the enemy comes in with so much of these other accusations and temptations and distractions. And then he not only does that, but he convinces you that all this is going on. Now find a way to filter all that to fit this. John 16, verse 33, Jesus says, I have told you these things, he's talking to his followers, so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you're going to have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. He did the overcoming of the world. We live in his victory. 
We, we have this way of thinking, you know, where what we have now is just insufficient, right? Uh, it, it, something else will make it better. I call it the chase, you know? You know, we're, we, we, we're thinking this is what's going to suffice us and, 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 and bring our story to a better place, and then we get there, and it doesn't. Come on, we've all lived there, right? We've been there, you know, man, if I, if I could get that, you know, job, and we get that job, you know, I'm, I'm going to feel so much better. Uh, things are going to be so much better. Uh, well, well, I'm single. If I could just meet that right person, you know, uh, you know, I mean, if I, if I could meet someone, get married, I'll have less problems, and then we get married, and I don't know, maybe, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad we all laughed together on that one, right? You know, but, you know, if, if I can just get out of high school and then go to college, and, and, and it just seems to be one after the other. I'll be at peace when the kids move out of that house, right? I won't be so anxious when I retire and I know my 401k and all that is in place and, and things are good, right? And, you know, all of these things, if they land in a better place, a more productive place, they, they tend to bring relief and some benefits to our life, but they're not going to change your story. They're not going to change your story. And we know that. People who believe in God and profess Jesus to be their Savior know this, and people who are atheists know this. We must come to a place of living in victory that says we're more than conquerors and live in that victory that Jesus provided and live in a story that God has for us. Are we living from that story today? Are you living from that story or are you living from a mixture of a little bit of God's story and, and a lot of your story, huh? Some fear, some faith, a lot of fear and an occasional, you know, sprinkling of faith. Step out. Know that, that God is with you and his story, your story. Know that People are praying for you, praying that you'd have this moment today where the gospel of Jesus Christ will become your story. It's 21 days of prayer. You know, people came every morning praying. People wrote your name on chalkboards, prayed for your family, prayed for your friends. They prayed for your well-being physically. They prayed for you spiritually. Be generous, you'd be humble, you'd be strong, that, that, that you would know Jesus Christ and all, the, who, you know, all he did for you intimately. You've been prayed for. Live from that. Don't be afraid. Don't live in fear. Don't live, you know, in an apprehensive way. That, that's your story. Let your faith stretch you. We talked about that in the huddle this morning. That, yeah, you know, God intended us to be stretched and in that to grow. So step out this week. Let's see, next week we have our, our Super Bowl Sunday. Is that great time where I think a good chunk of our culture is on display. I, don't be afraid. Invite your friends. Invite your family. It really is a very strategic and very effective time of coming together with people and connecting to a commonality we have in our culture and really leveraging it for the gospel that for them to hear of Christ in that context is pretty powerful. And then later on that night, if they, they can, and they can come and hang out with us in, at our Super Bowl party, which ranges anywhere from like, I don't know, 100 to 150 people, a ton of food. We have a, a great time. 
And, and, you know, they don't have to come Sunday morning to come Sunday night. You can show up with them on Sunday night. It's just another way for us to connect with them. But don't be afraid. Don't live in fear. Don't diminish the truth of the powerful word that you have. Share with them. Get them in here. Fear dissolves or attempts to dissolve the reality of the victory that you have in Jesus Christ. Did you hear that? That's what it does. What if you lived your life from the truth of who Jesus is? What if you did that? What if you lived your life because of who Jesus is and because of what Jesus has done? Faith is us trusting that God loves us. And, and, and it causes us to abandon all those things that we're telling ourselves that it causes us to abandon our story. We don't want to abandon our story because it's our story. Literally. We don't know any other way to be or to think. It, it's just too much. It's only faith. Faith, believing in things not seen but hoped for. Why do we hope for? Because Jesus Christ gave his life on the cross, was resurrected from the dead. That's why those thousands of people gave their lives in the shadow of the cross, were eaten by lions, set on fire, cut in half them, their kids, their families. Why? Why would they do that? Because they knew the resurrection was true. They knew it was true. They knew this Jesus was risen from the dead. That's why we can believe in the resurrection, yes? That's our story. And why did the resurrection take, pl take place? Because God loves us, and we believe in that. That's my story. That's our story. Listen, you are loved by God. This isn't a, it's not a, a decoration for you. It's not something to, a garnish. It's not a B12 shot. It, it's the core of who we are. This is, this is our story. God cannot love you any more than he does, and he will not love you any less than he does. He knows who you are, right? Yes, you fail, I fail, I make mistakes, I blow it, you blow it. But God's love for us is in Christ. Let that sink in this morning. Really, let it settle in. You it's funny, if you had a conversation with somebody who was a Boston sports fan 25 years ago, and you had a conversation with somebody who's a Boston sports fan now, it would sound so different. And not just because, well, we won or we lost. Their whole continents, the whole way they see sports. Title Town, we're champions, yeah, we're proud, you know. 25 years ago, it wasn't that way. We would goof on it, hanging heads low. I remember the night that the Yankees went up three games to nothing, in that American League Championship Series that I referred to. Just the way circumstances had it, I was actually in uh, this area. Uh, 
Didn't even know I'd be planting. I was. I didn't even know I'd be planting a church in this area. But I came to see a friend because I was marrying somebody, a relative of Christie's, in the Boston area. So I figured, okay, I'll fly in. I'll meet this friend. We'll go out to dinner, and then I'll drive into the Boston area. And that's when they were doing the. I think the big dig might have been going on. Well, what a nightmare! The things I called you and your city that night. I'm still asking forgiveness for. But anyway, I know I left when, when I left the restaurant place that Yankees were up. Yankees won that night, like 13 to three, crushes. And as I'm driving into the Boston area, I'm, I'm going down this and going down this road, down that road. I'm all over the place. I'm coming across all these. There's just no other way to put it. These drunk, miserable, depressed Boston Red Sox fans. I mean, all over the place. I'm thinking, if anybody finds out that I am a Yankee fan, they will kill me. Like, I was, I mean, man, I'm like, yeah, are you a Yankee fan? Go Red Sox, no way. I mean, it was terrible. And they were saying things like, like they were like saying self-deprecating things about them and their team. And I... I was laughing, I was laughing. I could sit there waiting for light. I could hear them just saying, we suck, and this is how it always is, and yeah, yeah, why even bother? And I'm like, wow, so different. Because that was their story. See, if the Yankees were down three to nothing, we'd figure, we got a shot. We can do this. We can come back. That was our story as sports fans. And it took time for, your, for it to sink in for you guys. It did. But now it has. And you really, you really think we're going to win. We can win. We deserve to win. It sh- we should win. That's just how it is now. And you hear, like, you, you know, Super Bowl uh, Patriots aren't in there. Well, why? Like, is, is the season over yet? I mean, I'm... I'm be- you see, because it's settled in. It, has, it, it sank in. It's your story. God loves you. Huh? That's the real story. It is the story. Jesus gave his life for you. Jesus was resurrected from the dead because God loves you. That's your story. You're more than conquerors. You don't just overcome things. You don't do, you're more than conquerors because God loves you. Let it sink in. Let it change how you see your life. Let it change how you're processing and grabbing things. And, 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 and then everything you take, you put into that story. Together with God's love, we can and will do great things, Yes? We can. Look at what God, just what God is doing at Cheer City Church. Even yesterday at the men's breakfast. It was a wonderful time. You know, I, you know it's, that's, it's part of who we are here. But to see people come in Saturday night and labor and, 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 and the women the, and even men who came in on Saturday night to set everything up and get it ready. The next morning, people coming in at 6, 6.30 in the morning. And then they see, I don't know, 60, 70 guys come out and come together. And I, I want to tell you something. Please, don't think I'm happy about this. Or, or, but like 22 guys signed up for the men's breakfast. And I, I said to Jess, I said, yeah, it looks like we're going to have 22 guys sign up. I said, ah, so we'll probably have somewhere around 25, 20, 20, 25, 28. I said, yeah, you know, people are, you know, people are sick. It's a tough time. She's like, 
no way. We'll have, we'll have probably at least 50, maybe 60. Because this, this is, she's like, yeah. she goes, it's just City Church. She goes, I, and it's men's breakfast. And she goes, no, we're going to have 50 or 60. I'm, pre- I'm preparing for 50, 60 people. And we did. You, you see, it's, it, it's who she, this is, she knows, this is Chair City Church. It's who we are, right? We love to be around each other. We love to help each other. We love to care for each other. And great things are happening here. What's coming up in these coming weeks with the Super Bowl parties and we got the February, the, the family skating and all of this to bring people together because to, we're better together, yes? yes? To participate. All because God loves us. You don't, think, you don't need anything else to complete you. You don't need anything or anyone to fulfill you, right? God's love will. Romans chapter 8, verse 38 through 39, Paul says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. God's love is all-powerful. It overcomes all things. That's what Paul's saying here. It's all-powerful. It's not based on circumstances or situations. It overcomes all things. Time, right? Demons, death. It over. God's love is stronger than everything. That's our story. Paul, he's using, in verse 38 and 39, he's using these these extremes, these polar opposites, death, life, demons, angels, spiritual powers. He's speaking even to governmental powers. Whatever happens in our government is so insufficient to our story that God loves us. My story is not that I'm a Republican. Yes, I have some strong preferences on how I'd like to see this election go, but my story is not that I'm a Democrat or that I'm a Republican. My story is not who my president is. Certainly it'll have an an influence and effect on what goes on in circumstances and situations in in my culture, in my society. But this is not my story, yes? My story is that God loves me and that he's a God who is stronger, more powerful than everything and anything. The present things that come and the present things that are and all that is to come in my life. All my what-ifs, all of my what-ifs are in God's hands, and, and I trust all my what-ifs in the truth that God loves me. That's my story. All of, and it's my story positively and negatively. When I start thinking, of what if we don't have enough for this, or what if that doesn't go well? I'm going to process that through God loves me. And I'm just as well going to be thinking, what if that does go well? Right? We do that, huh? We do that. Like, what if I don't meet somebody and I'll be alone forever? But but God loves you. But, But what if you do meet somebody? And what if you meet them at just the right time, right? Meaning... A.K.A. when you're the right person. <laughs> that's, that's a whole other sermon, isn't it? I teach my kids, don't, don't look for the right person. Be the right person, as I've told you before, right? It's one of the biggest myths going, the right person, right? 
live from the truth that God loves you and he has it all. Meaning, Paul says there's nothing in all of creation. There's nothing in all of creation that is more powerful than God's love for you. But do you believe that? Huh? Thursday night, we going through the Mark Batterson series, If, and, and uh, Batterson kind of had this illustration. I'm just going to extract it, chop it up a bit. And he says that in the uh, 1600s, he was this archbishop from Canterbury, and he really was impressed as he sat there and observed and watched the theaters and the actors. And what he noticed was that seemingly these actors and, and some of the more prominent ones had an effect on their audiences that him and his associates, his ministers, didn't seem to have as much. And so he approached an actor in 1675, and he approached an actor named Mr. Butterton, and and he asked him the question, what I just posed to you, or his dilemma. And the actor, Mr. Butterton, said, we actors on stage speak of things imaginary as if they were real. And you in the pulpit speak of things things real as if they were imaginary, right? Think about that. We as ministers, you as followers, we, 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 we go to movies and we go to theaters and, and we see things that come our way and, and sometimes in an incredibly talented and gifted way and, and, and they're imaginary, right? I mean, so much of it is imaginary, if not all of it. And it's so real to us, meaning it, it, it gets our emotions going. It, it compels us. We, you know, as I was saying last Thursday, we come out of a, in Bentonoy's book, we come out of a rocky, you know, movie. You know, we, you know, you could be like 76-year-old guys, you know. Everybody thought they could beat somebody up and take on the world because we had seen Rocky, right? And, and yet it's imaginary. Do you believe God's love prevails? That God's love is stronger than anything and everything else? Do you believe that? Or is it somewhat imaginary? Are these words to us? But yet the way we live them out, even over time outside of these walls, are they more imaginary than real? Well, what's your story? You see, if they're real, then that's your story. To the extent that they're imaginary, it's not going to overcome the story you have. Does that make sense? If it's your reality, speak that way. If it's your reality, let it move you. If it's your reality, let it compel you. Let your world be changed today. Let this sink in. God gave us Romans 8, 37 through 39 to let us know that he's got everything covered, right? What if you lived your life, your story from this truth? Today, are you convinced that Jesus Christ is Lord? Are you convinced that Jesus is the center of your life? Hmm? Ephesians chapter 3, verse 18 through 19. Paul says, may the power, together with all the Lord's holy people, will you grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love 
of Christ and to know that this love that surpasses all knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all fullnesses of God. Wow. God wants you. I want you to get this, what Paul's writing here. God wants you to live your life exploring the height and the depth, the width and the breadth of his love for you. Right? I mean, I say explore because you'll never grasp the totality of it. You'll never get it all, right? You'll never understand the fullness of God's love for you. But could you imagine today if you resolve to live your life exploring God's love for you? Huh? That every experience that comes your way is going to be an opportunity to explore the height, the depth, the width, and the breadth of God's love for you. Think about that. Like, this has happened today. I don't know if your life is like my life, but I get up in the morning, and by the time the day is over, I'm like, well, didn't expect that one. And, and what if in the midst of getting up and going to sleep and, and the realities that come our way unexpectedly, untimely, that we see these as opportunities for us to explore God's love for us, right? Let's see how deep God's love is in this situation. Let's see how wide God's love is and how much can we push this? How much can we mine from this? How much can we take out of this? Because this is my story. I am living in victory. I'm going to see how much I can push this. I want to see how much I can stretch this. I want to see where this is going to take me. Let me explore it, yes? That's what Ephesians 3, chapter 18 through 19 tells us. What if this sunk in today? What if this settled in today? What if you lived your life from this story? Paul saying, I'm convinced in this. I'm convinced in this. I'm convinced that Jesus is Lord. Live your life as if Jesus is the center of your life and everything else is revolving around him. Like the planets revolve around the sun. huh? And they get energy and life and light from that sun. Let Jesus be at the center of your life and you're gaining life and light. huh? But let it not, and that's your story. That's your new story. That's your story as of today. But don't let it be where you're at the center and Jesus is just another planet in your orbit. And you see it all revolving around your story that is not of God. Challenge that today. A.W. Tozer said, at the heart of every believer is a, at the heart, like he's trying to give us a visual image, at the heart or inside the heart of every believer is this picture. or is, is, It's a cross and a throne. In most people's heart, they want to leave Jesus on the cross and put themselves on the throne. When we do that and we're doing that, we're holding on to our story, not the story God has for us. Yes? Who is on the throne in your life today? Who rules your life Who's telling you the story? Who's giving you your story? When you walked in here today, you were handed a connection card. And on that card, on one side, it says, my next step. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Huh? If you believe that Jesus was raised from the dead, God sent Jesus on a rescue mission. God never intended to leave you drowning. He never intended to set up, you're drowning, do your best, right? He sent Jesus. 
no matter where you are in your life, no matter what's happened in your life, no matter what your story was and is when you walked in here today, the Bible says Jesus will and can save you. Today, place your faith, place your trust, place your hope in Jesus, knowing that when you do, nothing is more powerful than God's love for you, and nothing will disconnect you from that love that he has for you. If you're here today and you believe in Jesus Christ, be convinced that he is Lord. Make sure he's getting the throne in your life, in all areas of your life, in all that you are. This is my story. What if you lived your life, all of your life, as if it all revolves around Jesus Christ? Huh? What if you're saying, this is my story, that God loves me. And you know what? My story is I look at everything, every challenge, every difficulty, every uncertainty, every seemingly insufficiency as if God loves me and this is an opportunity to explore the depth of that love. Take that. Take that out of here today. Let it be your new mindset. If you live like this, I promise you, I promise you, your life will be unique. Oh, it'll be so unique. I promise you. Nothing is more powerful than God's love for you Let that sink in to God be the glory.